Would you take a moment with me and thank Dr. Andy Blosser, our director of music, and all of these fine musicians for their amazing music tonight. In a few minutes, you'll hear that ancient promise from the Gospel of John, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Every time, every time I hear that verse, I think of the time when our boys were young, just toddlers, I would read to them a book called, Can't You Sleep, Little Bear? They heard it so many times they could recite the lines with me as it read as it was read. Little Bear is tucked away safely in his bed in the, in the back of the cave where he lives with Big Bear, but he can't sleep. And he calls out to Big Bear and says, there's too much dark in the cave. So Big Bear comes and he brings Little Bear a, a, a lantern and sets it on his nightstand. That should be enough light for you. Well, a moment later, Little Bear calls out, there's still too much dark in the cave. And so Big Bear comes with a, a little larger lantern, sort of a medium-sized one, and sets it down and said, there, that, that should be enough. But sure enough, as soon as Big Bear sits down in his chair in the living room in the cave, Little Bear calls out and says, I can still see the dark. So Big Bear comes now with a large lantern, and he sets it down and says, that should be enough. Little Bear is quiet for a while, but there's his voice again. Big Bear, I can still see the dark at the entrance to the cave. So Big Bear comes in, scoops up Little Bear, holds him tightly to his chest. Slowly they walk to the edge of the cave and they lean at the edge to look out. And it was, and this is the part that my boys love to recite, and it was dark. There's something about the darkness, isn't there, that allows us to see things more clearly than in the light of day. I know that sounds paradoxical, but, but stay with me for a moment. At the end of the service tonight, our media folks, as we're getting ready to sing Silent Night, Holy Night, they'll dim the house lights. The room will go dark, and then the light of these candles will be passed to you and to you and to you and to everyone and suddenly the dark room will be transformed into a magical mystical candlelit place a place that does not exist with these lights shining brightly a place that only emerges in the midst of the dark and just in case you're worried about little bear i want you to know that as they leaned out and looked out little bear said to big bear i'm frightened and Big Bear stood up tall, took a few more steps, turned so that Little Bear could see the night sky, and he nodded up into the sky, Big Bear did, and he said, do you see the gleaming moon that I brought you and the twinkly stars? And Little Bear learned the lesson that we'll learn again tonight, that the darkness cannot, cannot extinguish the light. Although I've got to tell you, I spent some time meditating on this verse this week, and the more I thought about it, the more disappointing it became. I hate to say that on Christmas Eve, but it's been 2,000 years, and there's still darkness in the world. 
I don't need to give you a litany of all the wars and all the terrors and all the fears and, and all the, the awful things that seem to just continue to happen. There's darkness all in our land, darkness all in our world. How can it possibly be true? And then I remembered something my friend Scott Black Johnston told me. He's a pastor in New York City. He said, sometimes when the Bible seems confusing, read it in that beautiful poetic version, the King James. Oh, some of the translations there are, are misconstrued, but the poetry is powerful. In the King James, John chapter 1 says, The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness doth not comprehend it. Do you hear the beauty of the poetry? The power of the poet. Darkness doesn't understand light. Darkness can't understand why light even bothers to try, but light understands its role is to continually shine because there is nothing, there is not enough darkness in all the world to extinguish this single light here on the table that will be lit at the end of this service, the Christ light. You see, the arrival of the Christ child is not the promise that pain and worry and sorrow will go away. That's not it. The promise is where there is pain, there is God. Where there is worry, anxiety, and fear, there is God. Where there is sorrow, sadness, and grief, there is God. I believe we learned the lesson of the beauty of light and its hopefulness, its direction towards that sometimes mystical place we call home, that we learn it even when we're little children. Uh, on a regular Sunday here at First Community North, Right over here in Grace Hall, we have a contemporary service at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's led by a band. It's a fun little service. When the service is over, I give a prayer at the end of the sermon, and then we invite anyone who wants to to come to the front where we have tables on either side where they can light a candle and say a prayer. And just like on Christmas Eve, the lights on a regular Sunday there go down, and all of a sudden, as soon as it's dark and there's just a candle or two burning before the others are lit, every wiggly child who was bored by the sermon suddenly sits still and they watch the light and they wait to see how that magical mystical place is transformed by the light shining in the darkness that's the beauty of this night isn't it that light guides us toward home that guide that light gives us the strength and the courage we need to take another step into the darkness to move forward in faith and hope that indeed there is love alive in this world and we can finally finally somehow find a place where we can call home do you know this line where the love light gleams do you recognize that it's from that iconic christmas carol i'll be home for christmas where the love light gleams. It was written in 1943 during the World War. It was written in honor of the soldiers who were serving overseas who no doubt dreamed of coming home, of being home for Christmas. What the line inspires, what the lyric says is no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, if you can allow that love to gleam in you, to gleam in your soul, to flow through you, to give you courage, to give your love away to whoever you encounter. What an amazing gift that will be. And you will indeed be home if you let that love be real. You'll be home for Christmas. Home is elusive, though. Uh, from birth to 17, I've told some of you this before, from birth to 17, I, I lived in 14 different homes. I went to seminary, which means I'm not very good at math. 
but I think that's a lot of moving for a young person to go through. My wife, Julie, and I, we've had a much more stable life than, than that, but we've moved a few times as well. We spent seven years in California, nine years in Atlanta, 14 years in Kansas City, and in a couple of months, we'll experience our seventh anniversary here in Columbus. It's a marvelous place to be. We feel at home here as any other place we've been, but here's something I've discovered in my life. Wherever Julie is, that's the place named home. That's the place where I simply want to be. Joseph and Mary are on their way home. Mary, great with child. Oh, they're on their way to Bethlehem because Joseph's been ordered by the government to pay taxes, but he's going to his ancestral home where maybe his family lived for hundreds of years, perhaps even thousands of years. But they're on their way home to see family and friends. And the way we tell the story and the way we interpret it is they end up at the inn and there's no room at the inn and so they have to stay in a cave or a barn or a stable. But maybe there's a new way of seeing that. There was a little boy who wanted so desperately to play Joseph in the Christmas pageant. He was doing everything he could to drop hints with his Sunday school leaders that he would make a great Joseph. But a few weeks before the Christmas pageant, which was going to be held on Christmas Eve, the teachers list all the, all the characters and all the young people are going to play their role. He didn't get Joseph. He got the innkeeper. I mean, if there's a bad guy in the story, it's the innkeeper. He's very disappointed. He's very upset, but he's a conniving, scheming little guy, and he, figure out, he figures out something to kind of turn the story on its head. So it's Christmas Eve. The church like this is packed. There's grandpas and grandmas, moms and dads and cousins and everyone you can imagine all jammed into that place. And it comes to that moment when Joseph and Mary and some little kid who's dressed up like a donkey come walking across the the stage, and they make their way over to the inn, but before they can knock on the door to ask if there's room, the innkeeper, that little boy, he throws open the door, he says, Joseph, Mary, I'm so glad to see you, come on in. I've got a room for you right over here, we'll have a wonderful meal, it'll be great to see you. And here's the thing, that little boy might have been right. There's some research that's been done recently by a New Testament scholar, his name is Kenneth Bailey. He believes that Middle Eastern hospitality 2,000 years ago was quite gracious and quite welcoming. That if there was no room in the inn, then someone in the village, in the town, would have made room for the family, whoever it was, in the main room of their house. And every main room of the house in these simple homes in what the Romans called Palestine. The Palestinian hospitality practiced 2,000 years ago was to welcome, even if they're a stranger or family or friend, into that main room, where at the center of the room, as a symbol of their hospitality and their welcome, there was a manger. So that even when Joseph and Mary and then the shepherds later make their way to see the Christ child, it's as though they're already at home. The story says... God wants to make room for you. God wants you to find a place that you call home. I'm wondering if you have the courage on this night, this holiest of nights, to make room in yourself for love to be at home, for that love to be made real in you, to be a place where the love, light, gleams. Oh, I know. You, you might be thinking, this is a fairy tale. 
Or you may be thinking, love has passed me by, I'll never see love again. Or you may be thinking, oh, I I don't deserve love. My past has been such a mess, I, I don't deserve any love at all. But here I want you to hear this. I want you to hear again the words of the angel. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you this day in the city of Columbus has been given you the gift of God's eternal undying love. For you, for me, for all. When we receive that gift and allow that love to gleam within us, it's at that point that we 